Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. When did the lawsuit start? Um, I don't know the details like that, but uh, they've, they've been trying to get him. In, it's not, I don't think it's necessarily Jeremy so much as it is Library Inc., so what what is this thing going on in the federal court? Is this related to the SEC nonsense? Yes, this is okay. 100%. The SEC is, you know, making claims about uh, library. They're trying to claim that library credits are a security. Whatever that means, right? Yeah. They, the SEC think, thinks it's a head. Well, the, apparently the SEC does have say over anything that could be considered a security. So if something's being marketed as some, as an investment that will make you more money in the long run if you hold on to it, then it's a security. But that was never said, as I recall, of LBC, which is the uh, cryptocurrency that library uses. Yes. It was just a a token that is used on their blockchain. So I I think it was their evidence uh, from what I gather is very uh, on the light side. They don't have a whole lot of it. And I think one thing they're referencing is some employee of libraries a long time ago sent an email to somebody saying, you know, it's cryptocurrency, so it'll probably go up in value. This show, we, we reach a lot of people with this show. And we have been talking about cryptocurrency on this show for way longer than I was on this show. I remember listening to the show back in New York. People, you know, Ian talking about Bitcoin back a very long time ago. So I think the earliest mention was like in 2012 or something like that. The earliest time it was mentioned on the show. I don't remember the exact date, though. Yeah, that would be about right. It was a long time ago. It was. And, uh, you know, when you're an early adopter... And you have a big voice about it. You are the biggest threat the other than the technology itself. Sure. And they can't go after the technology in this particular case because it's decentralized. And they can't really do anything about it. Decentralization is a really hard hill to climb for somebody who only understands centralization. I mean, it's a it's a night night and day kind of thing. And they only understand one way to go after things like they actually can't kill cryptocurrency this way. Mm -mm. Luckily. Yeah, no. And um the library case, I, I think this judge, this is going to be like a summary judgment kind of thing. Uh, it may not even end up going to trial. At the end of today, the judge said, you know, nobody do anything else. Don't file any more motions. Don't spend any more money. Um, really? Yeah. He said, I want to, I'm going to, I'll have an answer for you, hopefully by the end of August, but definitely by the end of September. I remember when some of the transcripts were released, I think last year or the year before, it was it was a while ago, and it was just completely absurd, these sorts of things that the SEC attorneys were asking Jeremy Kaufman, such as, why do you have a website? And he repeated, he wanted to clarify, are you asking me why a company has a website? And they said, yes. And just completely ridiculous lines of questioning over and over again. I remember again. that. And it takes like hours, right? I feel like they're trying to fatigue you and make you slip up and say things because they really think that everybody they're going after is has nefarious, you know, reasons. Yeah, because government people tend to be paranoid. Mm. And the more things start to slip out of control for them, the more paranoid and attacky they get. Well, that makes sense, right? I mean, they, they are control freaks. They are predators. So, I mean, they project that onto everyone else. Sure. Mm. Totally. They Even the judge, you know, he, he was there was a whole uh, section today where it's probably five minutes where the judge was trying to understand library's business model. And... He's like, well, what's the profit motive here? How are they going to make money? And, you know, it's not 
I don't think he realized that. And I don't know. I don't. I can't stand. I can't answer that either. I don't know. I don't know what Jeremy's philosophy is. Um, well, I'm sure Library has made money. Yeah, but I think it's uh, Library Inc. What they own, Odyssey, and there's some credit card processing fees that go along with that. It's not, it's not a huge money. Their official language for, like, Rise Up New Hampshire or whichever group she... I think hers is Rise Up New Hampshire. They're always putting out flags and stuff saying, whenever they talk about the Noble Nine, Chris Sununu weaponized... The Noble Nine? Yes. That's what they're calling themselves? Yes. That's a bit pretentious. It is a little, but they, they keep calling themselves... I mean, they keep saying about the police that Chris Sununu weaponized the police. They are weapons. He used them yeah, for what they were they completely are. signed up for and what they, they are, actually are. They're literal tools. But to be fair, I don't think these people deserve to get arrested. It's ridiculous. That was dumb. And, it, was, um, it was an absolutely spurious arrest. It shouldn't have happened. I watched it happen. It was dumb. The The fact that they were getting arrested while defending the police was like... That's just insane. And then they defended the police afterward. At least I think Therese did. She came out and made a statement to the effect of, hey, you guys, you need to stop protesting the police here. They're just doing their jobs no. and they're slowing everything down yeah, or no. whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, she came out in... <laughs> She she came out when she was getting bail, and she said, like, everybody, we need to get out of here because the more we stand in here and make noise, we're making it uh, take slower for everyone else to get out. That's just what they told her yep. to get up to clear everyone out. Yep. Well, she like, lives in a world where the police would never lie to her. Yeah. Even after they, they did horrible things to her that were arguably not lawful. Considering how in debt to China the United States is and, like, other countries and things i wonder how much outside pressure is coming down on the united states government to fix these cryptocurrency people in 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 the united states because now it's everywhere it's not something that's going to impact the united states government it's something that's going to impact all governments everywhere it is going to impact the u.s government the most i think because the u.s government stands to lose the most Mm -hmm. Uh, they have the world's reserve currency Mm -hmm. and bitcoin is I mean, it's going to destroy the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar is doing a really good job of destroying itself, but Bitcoin isn't helping the situation. Bitcoin is is poised to replace the U.S. dollar. I don't know whether or not it will, but it it is a competitor to the U.S. dollar. And so the federal government is doing everything they can to destroy their competitor. Mm -hmm. And, And the friends of their competitor, such as the Crypto Six and Jeremy Kaufman, I'm surprised that the person running for, I think, Senate, uh, Bruce Fenton here in New Hampshire, uh, I'm, I'm surprised that since he's the creator of Ravencoin that they're not going after him as well. Hey, you I don't know what? It's only ideas. a matter of time. Mm-mm. They probably are. Who knows? You know, everybody's, well, when you've got a paranoid government, everybody's a target. Everybody's a target. These judges, prosecutors, politicians, all of them are just ordinary individuals. Mm -hmm. They're caught up in this religion, but that has no more reality to me. It has no more meaning to me than a priest saying, I speak for God. That's essentially... Not at all. Yeah, totally. And I don't don't think they do. They don't. But, you know, that's coming up in November, and that's going to be... It's going to be fun, regardless of what the results are. So... I'm not the only one having fun, though. Footloose, uh, he was yelling at a judge today. You mentioned earlier something about a CO2 monitor yeah. that got installed yeah, Tell us about that, Bonnie. Courtroom. I need to hear all about that. That's what I really wanted to get into. The actual details of the uh, day of the, of the hearing weren't that interesting. There was one lady of the nine. Now it's the eight because one lady got her charges dropped because they revealed this lady named Monica. I don't know her last name. She was only arrested because they mixed her up with another person in the crowd. 
So, I sure hope it wasn't Zamora. I don't know her. No, it's not Zamora. Monica <laughs> Zamora is the judge that David from New Mexico is obsessed with. Oh, yeah, over, yeah. I was like, so, that sounded yeah. familiar for some reason. Okay, but yeah, so, so Monica... they arrested the wrong person? They arrested the wrong person in October tw- 13th, 2021. So just now, they finally dropped the person who got arrested incorrectly as charges. Nine months later, they yep. finally dropped the charges? You have to resist the state if you want to make any progress toward freedom. Plus, a lot of people, they become, you know, friendly with us because they got arrested. And then they found, you know, other people who were like supported them because they realized it wasn't right. I don't think people get arrested in New Hampshire any more often than anywhere else. I mean, the state's blood, uh, as far as its lifeblood of the court system, is uh, people are being arrested for victimless crimes. And that happens everywhere, all the time. Every court, every jurisdiction is packed full of innocent, peaceful people who've never harmed another person that get found guilty or plead guilty in probably 90 plus percent of the cases. And then the court just rings the cash register and collects God knows how many thousands of dollars every single morning whenever they're in session all across the country. The only thing that's different here is, as you point out, Aria, we have activists who are not going to take a plea. They are going to go to trial. They are going to refuse to pay uh, the fines if they're issued. They're going to be Essentially, uh, you know, they're going to be a stick in the gears of uh, of the system as much as possible. And of course, we're part of that. We're not just reporting on things here in New in New Hampshire. In many cases, we are the ones being targeted. We are some of those activists, or we're there yeah. supporting our activist friends. Yeah. And that's uh, yeah. I think it was uh, Michael Harrison of Talkers Magazine who described Free Talk Live as a sort of a reality show in some ways because we're <laughs> we're actually out there really doing the things we talk about. In previous hearings, there's been no CO2 alarm that has gone off. So I'm almost certain this was a brand new device that was put in recently. And it's just a little portable thing that they they set up there. One bailiff said they put it in a week ago. One bailiff claimed it was a week ago. Another bailiff claimed it was last August. uh, So about a year ago. And I don't don't believe him for a moment. Yeah, he's the worst. But uh, I don't know. So you saw the numbers that we're reading, right? I did, yeah. I Mm -hmm. looked over at it. What were they? It was over 1,000 parts per million. Yeah, because I looked it up and, you know, it's considered 10,000 parts per million is considered safe for an eight hour. I looked it up and I saw that 5,000 was considered dangerous. So I don't know. Maybe there's a variety of uh, answers. Well, I'm looking for some reason at the Minnesota Department of Health. That was the one that came up. And they say for an eight hour period, it should not exceed 10,000 parts per million. It wasn't even close to that then. That's the thing. Like, how do we know what all it did was beep? It didn't Mm -hmm. say like evacuate, evacuate or anything like it's designed to go off at a certain number. So we crosses a number for all we know. They just set it up for go off once it crosses this number. Like, like that doesn't mean that that crossing does not mean anything. No, it doesn't. They could have changed the setting, like the setting yes. could have like been normally at ten thousand, but they mm-hmm. changed it to one thousand. That's correct. Yep. Uh, I don't know if it was a thousand or fifty, you know, ten fifty. I'm not sure where the the actual provision, the number was where it went off. So anyway, the judge clears the courtroom of all of the people who were watching this trial or this hearing it wasn't a trial, but uh, with the exception of the nine defendants, the attorneys, and the media. Other things are happening in the world for anarchists and libertarians. And one of those things is the HBO series Anarchists. And I haven't seen it yet, but evidently uh, other people are. um, I knew as soon as I heard about it that the ANCOMs would go into attack mode. That's the anarcho-communists. 
right? Because this happened to me when I ran for sheriff. If you're not an anarcho-communist and you call yourself an anarchist, they get really, really, really upset. Oh, God. Because they think that anarchy means there is no hierarchy. And, you know, in a voluntarist society, there could absolutely be a, a voluntary hierarchy. There's nothing within anarchism that prevents it. But to them... No, any any hierarchy, a private employee-employer relationship is a violation of the principles of anarchy. Then who decides how to redistribute the wealth? Is that not a ruler? I mean, is that not a hierarchy? Who gets to be the person deciding how to but redistribute the wealth? Don't the, the ANCOMs we- want a government after they get rid of this government? The ANCOMs don't. Really? Well, okay. they want... Uh, I, I don't know did. what magical... Share money. <laughs> well, I mean, and I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that, sure, you, you could collect, you know, 10,000 anarcho-communists together, and they can have their little society, and it can, they can all be equal, and it can work just fine. I'm willing to give them that benefit of the doubt, but I'm also going to extend them the courtesy of allowing them to call themselves anarchists, because I don't see any reason why not. They don't allow that same... Uh, uh, that same, whatever word I'm looking for, courtesy, thank you, to anarcho-capitalists. It's the first criticism of the anarchists that I've seen about this new documentary by a purported uh, anarchist. So, uh, Etienne de la Boise Squared, he writes, There's a new propaganda series from HBO on the Anarchapulco conference that is held every February in Acapulco, Mexico. He says, I've been an attendee since the initial conference in 2015 and have only missed 2017, 2021, and 2022. Although in 2022, I attended and spoke at the anti-Anarchapulco conference called Agorapulco, which is held at the same time in Acapulco by and for those who have figured out the scam of Anarchapulco. My book, Government, the Biggest Scam in History Exposed, was the best-selling book at Anarchapulco in 2018, 2019, and 2020. And indeed, that's Mm -hmm. where I met Howard. I'm sorry, but just saying the best-selling book at a festival is, like, not really a, a term. I mean, it, How many books book. were sold? Like, 10? It, uh, it sounds like he's fairly salty about not having a more prominent role. That, that's me speculating, but that's what it sounds like. He's like, I was this influential figure, and then I realized it was a scam, and I started my own thing, and they didn't interview me. Hmm. Well, one thing that I was telling Bonnie about uh, after this recent episode, there's been two of the six episodes that have been released thus far, is that anytime you put together an event, if it gets large enough, somebody's going to have some butt hurt about it. Oh, there's, yeah. It, you know, in the, in the, they've been documenting Anarchapulco year after year. So now we're up to, I think, in the last episode, 2017. So they looked at 2015, 2016 in the first episode and now 2017. That's why I thought this was an interesting article, because when I first heard about this documentary series, what I heard about was that, oh, well, the guys who produced this are anarchists, and when they were doing a deal with HBO, they managed to get the agreement with HBO to where HBO wasn't going to meddle, basically. That was the claim with this, was that the editing, the storyline, the writing, everything was being done by the people who were involved in the shooting of it, and and that they are supposedly anarchists themselves, so therefore... This should be a good thing, meaning that it wasn't right. being interfered with by people from the outside, if that's true, right? And, and from what I've heard, that's largely been how people have interpreted it. I feel like that's the case so far. This guy disagrees. The The guy we're reading here, uh, Etienne de la Bossi squared, which is a pen name, uh, he disagrees. He thinks this is a completely controlled operation from, like, the CIA or whatever. So, you know, what's is the truth somewhere in between? Is he completely right? Uh, we got more to, he's got more to say. I don't know why the CIA would bother with Anarchopolco. I mean, it is a thing, and, it, you know, it has had its successes, and I don't mean to suggest that it hasn't, but if, if the feds want to target a successful liberty migration, 
New Hampshire is the place they're going to target. Well, uh, and you may be, that may be a good counter to what he's saying here. I think that his argument would be that this is to make anarchists look bad. That that's the whole point of this. Anarchists this don't need the government's help in doing that. According to this guy, if HBO came and did a documentary about anarchists here, it should have the same effect, right? So why is he saying it's this group of people's fault? Um, I'm sure they would also, if it was indeed what he's saying, they would also try to, you know, black mark us and make us look bad if they chose this this particular group. As you know, if if indeed this is an attack on anarchism and it's okay, you know, so what it is that he says. Then it is. what you're saying is he's saying that the, the HBO people are trying to make these people look bad. So he's not trying to say these people are bad anarchists and bad. He's going to say right? that later too. Okay, then what? I don't That's, even get how say he can say that. Those, he's going to say both of those things. He's going to say that they chose these particular people to look at because they make anarchy look bad. Okay. Uh, quote, I believe the anarcho polka this is a quote from somebody else, a book called The Mighty Wurlitzer, How the CIA Played America. Quote, I believe the Anarchopolco Conference is an intelligence agency organized crime operation to steer the modern peaceful anarchist, voluntarist, anarcho-capitalist, and crypto-anarchist movements into drugs, controlled opposition, voices slash media operations, unintelligible, unwholesome, or controlled artists, infighting, etc., while smearing slash tarring the movement through association with con men, drug dealers, and murder, while stealing the oxygen from legitimate liberty movement conferences, artists, and authentic voices. The operation is very similar to the now-admitted CIA's creations promotion of admitted CIA asset Gloria Steinem and Ms. Magazine to steer the agency-created and controlled feminist movement. I was doing up a, uh, uh, a, a summary, not, not, not exactly a summary, but just some, some information for the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance for the Liberty Dinner, which is coming up on Saturday uh, in New Hampshire. And the um, uh, I, while I, while I'm, I was looking you know, for some legislative successes, and while I'm in the process of looking, uh, my my jaw just hits the floor because I found uh, a legislative failure that is very interesting. Hmm. Um, and there are a lot of, obviously, the NHLA has a lot. They get a lot of things through and they stop a lot of stuff. But there's one thing that they weren't able to stop. And they tried. They had, you know, it was on their gold standard that they hand out at the door to the Senate, you know, when the Senate's in session. Uh, well, that is, a flyer. for those who don't know, that's a, a flyer that tells representatives and senators how they should vote if they value liberty. That's right. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, vote so yes on this out, and no on this or whatever Right. from a libertarian perspective. Anyhow, the, the state government decided to pass this legislation restricting telehealth. Zeffen does this bill review process along with other volunteers. He's just the number one guy, like, by a mile. I've he's, done it. He's reviewed did, like, way more than any other person in the last year. He did, like, and 800, and I did, like, three. I don't know if he did 800, but he did several hundred, I think. He did a lot. And That's intense. So he reads these bills. It's it's a hard job because you have to be able to read this, you know, legalese stuff. He's He reads them. He comprehends what they're doing, and then he rates them, and they have, like, a whole system, like an online system where you can, you know, check off different boxes or whatever. And it makes it as easy as possible to go through this, and it's automated, basically, and it files it automatically. And that's how they come up with the recommendations for the uh, for the representatives and the senators to vote. And then at the end of the year when – or, you know, whenever, whenever the session is done, I think it's usually done by June, uh, whenever they finish their – 
legislative session because New Hampshire's legislature is only part time. Right. Uh, but when they when they finish up, then the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance cooks up their liberty ratings and they look at the different bills that they consider to be the most oriented for or against liberty. And they cook up a, uh, a series of letter ratings. So A through F and then below F is constitutional threat. And they will give these ratings to all 400 state reps and Good to Lord. all 24 state senators. And at the dinner that Bonnie and I are going to be attending this weekend with other supporters of the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, they will give out those uh, ratings. To the series' credit, uh, in with, the, I don't know, the first five minutes of the first episode, they address the bomb-throwing anarchist's viewpoint, right? They, they literally have an image of somebody throwing a Molotov cocktail, and they freeze-frame it. And they say, not that kind of anarchist. And they talk about how this movement is a peaceful movement and has nothing to do with, uh, with that. So, yeah, it, well, because those people aren't anarchists. They're attempting to use well, force and violence. Yeah. Yes, but they're attempting to use force and violence to achieve their goals, right. which is the behavior of a state. So that's why, so far, I think this is a pretty good presentation uh, because they are defining what anarchist is from our perspective, this peaceful, liberty-loving yeah. group of people. Um, but uh, from the perspective of uh, the Art of Liberty Foundation's Etienne de la Bossie Squared over at his Substack, he says this is actually controlled by the CIA. The HBO uh, Hollywood thing is they're, they're trying to paint anarchists as uh, as a bad group and essentially bad mouth us. And so uh, do you want me to keep this thing well, uh, rolling here? Yeah, absolutely. D- is there any proof of what you were saying earlier where you said originally you had heard that they got a good contract with HBO so that... No, I just heard that somewhere. I don't remember what what the source was. Well, it's unlikely that we're, we would ever see the contract that they signed with you know HBO. I would say thus far, it seems as though they are pro-anarchist. Given the incredible importance and power, uh, potential power of volunteerism, wouldn't we be naive not to believe that organized crime governments wouldn't attempt to steer our movement as well? But who is saying that? Just because there's one documentary being made that's pretty good. Well, no, see, nobody's saying, saying nobody's saying the government would never infiltrate a libertarian or an anarchist group. Nobody's saying that. Uh, I think he's just pointing out that that can happen. It absolutely could happen. And, you know, it's it's weird that we haven't heard of any successful stories about federal government infiltration of the liberty movement, especially here in New Hampshire with so many people. What do you mean su- success stories? Like you, you hear the success stories about other groups, you know, you, you can find the connections where, hey, this is how this was really the FBI doing mm-hmm. this or whatever. Proud Boys guy that was arrested. Yeah. You have all those well, sorts of things about other arrests. Usually that comes right. out after arrests and then maybe somebody doesn't take a plea deal and they go to trial. Yeah, and but it's then been 20 to... years. That's true. I mean, that just goes to show that they haven't been able to successfully finagle people into violence. Right? That, they, that, that's tried. what I think, yes. I, I would say they have definitely sent infiltrators into this movement. I mean, they certainly tried to flip our co-host Nobody when he was Rich Paul into wearing a wire into the Keen Activist Center, which he refused to do. So we know about that because he refused it. So we don't know about how many people they did get to wear a wire, about how many people they did send in uh, informants or undercover agents, one or the other, yeah. and who did try to float the ideas, you know, fishing ep- expedition of, you know, oh, well, let's go bomb something or let's go shoot this or that we're voluntarists i don't like the term anarchist personally but i know you guys do um we're people that are in this community we know 
in many cases a lot of these people i have met almost not all but a good majority of the people that they've interviewed for this and i think they're good i think mostly they're good people i don't have an opinion about jeff berwick's alleged uh scams he's been involved with because i don't know what the truth is on on those claims so i'm not going to send him up the river on that he's he always nice. been he's always been honest uh in our dealings with him as far as free talk lives dealings that's all i can say as far as that goes and he also came out to defend you guys whenever you guys were, went to jail the next day he was like tagging keen police department like what just, yeah, why true. did my friends get arrested for selling cryptocurrency last night yep, like i said he's always been honorable in yeah. in our dealings with him i think he's the only one that, that i've heard of that i haven't met yeah so uh you know as far as my my personal feelings for these people i like them um, yeah. But I understand the argument from the other side is that, oh, my God, this show is going to get into murder. This show is going to get in. It's getting into drug dealing. It's not anarchists doing the murder. That, well, you'll find out about that. Hmm. Uh, there's a crazy person that they're talking about. In episode two, they introduce a guy who's like a, a war veteran who's you know at, kind of a little on the crazy side. And I don't know if he ends up being the guy that hires the hitmen. I can't remember for sure. Your article here is exactly what controlled opposition would do. To try to sow dis, uh, yes. dissent and you know turn people against one another, they would attack the people at the top. They would attack yeah. the whole idea. They would they would smear the documentary. It, He's doing exactly what controlled opposition would do. Even if I was somebody who knew nothing about anarchists and for some reason came across this guy's article, I would think that the art that the and I hadn't watched the show. Mm-hmm. I would think that the show was showing worse people than it actually is. Like, it's not mm-hmm. showing anybody look crazy or bad or bomb-throwing. It's showing a bunch of families with kids, mostly. Well, according to uh, Jason Henza, who's in the documentary, who's mm-hmm. watching us on YouTube right now, it's going to get really, really ugly, which sounds about right, based on what I know of the history of Anarchopoco. Mm-hmm. That said, this is what you get when you have 600 anarchists. Half of them are potheads, the other half are doing cocaine. That that's just the reality. And if they're not doing any of that, they're a boring square like this guy. So going on here, I don't know if I would call Howard a, a boring square, but uh, I mean, but, if he's taking issues with cross dressing and the drug use and the drug dealing and all yeah. this other stuff, he, I'm sorry, man, that's a boring square. Yeah. I mean, his name is Attila Buenvela Squared. <laughs> cross dressing <laughs> drug dealers have made my life immensely entertaining. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.